0: Continuing our farm system previews, it's the Chicago Cubs, who might have one of the best position player and pitcher pairings, in Pete Crow Armstrong and Cade Horton. Let's talk about it. Um. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Okay, continuing our farm system previews, it's the Chicago Cubs, 83-79 and 79 last year. And quick reminder, we are not going to get to every interesting player in this system. There is a ton of really fun players in the Chicago Cubs farm system. Guys that I've watched uh, in person, guys that I really enjoy getting to, to watch play baseball. So if there's a guy that we don't get to that you want to hear about, That's what the Monday mailbag is going to be. We're going to cover all of the guys that you guys wanted to hear about from this week that we didn't get to. So send us a question. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Farm. We have an email. We have a Discord. We have a subtext. All of that stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Uh, And the Cubs are one of my... I'm a Braves fan. I, I admit that up front. But the Cubs are one of the teams that I really enjoy watching. There's just something fun about the whole we play a lot of day games and the i like just all of the ambiance around cubs or around the cubs is fun to somebody like me who didn't grow up there doesn't have an attachment to it and so i like to i enjoy watching this system i enjoy watching these teams these players and that top 2 of Pete Crow Armstrong and Cade Horton to me are one of the best position player and pitcher combinations In all of minor league baseball, when you look at Pete Crow Armstrong, okay, first rounder in 2020 out of high school by the Mets, obviously came over via trade. That was a Javi Baez and Trevor Williams. So many of these guys in this system came via trade. I know that it probably was hard for Cubs fans for you guys to deal with trading away some of that core, trading away Baez and Rizzo and all of those guys, but it worked. Okay, it got you a ton of really talented prospects. And last year, PCA, 107 games between A AA and AAA, 283, 365, 511, 20 home runs, 53 extra base hits, 46 walks to 129 strikeouts, and 37 of 47 on stolen bases. Honestly, Pete Crow Armstrong is one of the few players in, in minor league baseball that has an 80 grade for a tool that is not speed. Right, he is the best defensive center fielder in the minors. The day that he comes up, he will be a top five defensive center fielder in all of baseball. The day that he arrives in the major leagues and is a full time starter, yes, he got 13 games in the majors last year and he went 0 14. I know that, but Pete Crow Armstrong did not get standard regular play time. You make him a full time regular playing in center field, and he will be a top five defender. It's just, that's just how good he is right now. The question that you're going to have about Pete Crow Armstrong going forward is, one, how much power is he going to have? And I honestly think over a full season, once he's settled into the majors, you can see PCA as a 20 home run bat, right? He does a good job at getting the ball in the air. He does a good job of getting into power when he pulls a ball down the line. And a 20 home run kind of thing to me is fine. Now, something I do want to see, like in the minors last year, he was pretty aggressive at the plate. He swung just over half the time. Uh, I think it's 51% swing rate. And the contact wasn't the greatest in the world. It was 68% overall, 75% in the zone. But he still didn't strike out too much. It's high but it's not too much, and what he's really going to do is he's going to be a guy that bats towards the top of the lineup, he gives you hits, he doesn't walk a ton, but he gives you hits, he gets on base, he's a stolen base threat, it feels like your best possible scenario outcome for PCA is a guy who is a gold glover in center field and can give you 2020 seasons consistently. I think if everything broke right, he could hit 25 home runs and steal 45 bags. But you're probably looking at a 2020 guy, which you'll absolutely take that in center field from Pete Crow Armstrong. The question is going to be, if Cody Bellinger comes back, what role does PCA have on this team, and where does everybody play? And as a time of recording, we don't know where Cody Bellinger is going to go. What's going to happen as soon as I finish recording this? he's going to sign. So that's just, if that happens, we'll update the video. Don't worry. Cade Horton, number two in the system. And honestly, it was a little hard for me to figure out where to put these guys, but I had PCA number one because he has an 80 grade tool. And not every player can say that, right? So Cade Horton, first rounder in 2022 out of Oklahoma. 21 starts last year between single A, high A, double A. Four and four with a 265 ERA in 88 and a third innings. 117 strikeouts, so 11.9 per nine, to 27 walks, 2.8 per nine, seven home runs allowed, 0.7 per nine innings. Curveball slider, fastball change. I, it's a weird order. did not mean to do that. Fastball sits mid 90s. He can touch 99 on it. I I It's usually sitting mid 90s, right? 94, 95, 96. Is what you'll see, but he could reach back and get extra. It's really good up in the zone. I like when he elevates, when he consistently elevates the fastball. I think it works well. And then the sweeper and the curveball on different planes in different velocity bands, right? So the curveball sits in the low 80s, very much a, a vertical breaker there. The slider has good depth to it. It's in the mid 80s but it also gets horizontal movement. It's not completely on a different plane. It's not like you have a sweeper in a vertical breaking curveball, but you have two pitches that both break vertically different amounts. And the slider also has enough horizontal movement to function as a, a in essence, a different plane. It's a good trio of pitches there. He added a change up from what I understand. It's maybe a split finger, but I think, that's something where if he can refine that changeup, and that's gonna be the big question going into 2024. If he can refine that change up, you're looking at a dude that could have four pitches that are above average or better. I think both the slider and the fastball are plus. And we very rarely say that guys are aces on this show. I think Kate Horton could legitimately be a number two, just because we don't ever say number one, but Kate Horton could be a number two. He throws a ton of strikes, he's a great athlete. He's got reliable, consistent mechanics and the pitchability, ability, the, co- the competitiveness. He's got everything you need to be an ace. Let's see what that changeup does. Let's see if maybe adding an international professional, a foreign professional in Shota Imanaga helps him with that splitter. That would be amazing. Really curious to see where Kate Horton comes and what he, what he looks like next year. On the Shota Imanaga point, we do not have him in this show. He is classified as a foreign professional. He is still eligible to win Rookie of the Year. He has the odds. I've got it here for the FanDuel read later. He has odds for Rookie of the Year. I don't have him in, here in the prospect rankings because to me, foreign professionals should not be ranked as prospects. Baseball America changed their rules this year and they now are in that same boat. MLB Pipeline, I believe, still has those rankings. I also don't have Michael Bush in here. And that's simply a factor of time. We talked about Michael Bush In the Dodgers preview, it dropped on January 6th. I believe he's the very first player mentioned. So if you're listening on audio, go back and find from Saturday, January 6th to hear about your new first baseman, Michael Bush. Yes, I do think he is a first baseman, not a third baseman, probably not a second baseman. I do think he is a first baseman, but go check out the January 6th episode. I'll try to drop it on YouTube up here in the corner for you. Another guy real quick, I want to get to first rounder last year, shortstop Matt Shaw out of Maryland, 38 games between rookie ball, A ball and high A, 357, 400, 618, eight home runs, 21 extra base hits, nine walks to 25 strikeouts, 15 of 18 on stolen bases. The thing here, really good contact, okay? So in college at Maryland, he got an 83% contact rate. And an 88.5% zone contact rate. In the pros, it was an 85% overall contact rate. Now, yes, it's a small sample size—38 games—but he was able to maintain the contact, and I think the power was surprising. He swung just about 50% of the time, a little bit under that, so still pretty aggressive like PCA. But the big question for me on Matt Shaw is where does he play? We, there's I've got concerns about his. Arm strength being good enough to stick at shortstop long-term, it feels like second base is a better thing. The Cubs had him spend three games at third. And not great arm strength, but kicking out the third base, it re- really curious if that is a, they think he's on a very fast development track and could debut next year and want to have an option at third, or if that is a scenario where the Cubs, kind of like the Dodgers, are just one of the teams that don't care about arm strength at third because his arm strength's not great. Max Muncy's arm strength isn't great. They play him at third base over in L.A., and they're perfectly fine with that. Curious to see what's going to happen there. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the other players you may see in 2024 out of this farm system. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at GameTime. You should not have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater events near you killer last minute deals all in prices they show you the view from your seat and they have a best price guarantee which means they've just taken the guesswork out of buying tickets right you it's the only ticket in the app. like i said you get complete peace of mind with your purchase you see the view from your seat before you buy you know what you're getting all in prices show you the total up front so you know the deal is good you buy tickets in seconds with two taps they come to your phone and the Game Time Guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on Game Time, they will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code On LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Okay, so looking at players who may help the Chicago Cubs in 2024. Outfielder Owen Casey, another guy acquired via trade. He was a prep draftee by the Padres in 2020, the second round. I believe that was the U Darvis trade. So 120 games in double A, spent the entire year uh, with Tennessee. 289, 399. 519, 22 home runs, 55 extra base hits, 76 walks to 164 strikeouts, and 7 of 16 on stolen bases. From a defensive perspective, Owen Casey's got a big arm in the outfield, right? He's giving you above average speed, above average defense. He is a corner outfielder. He's not a center fielder. He's a corner outfielder. But 10 assists from right field, mostly right, little bit of left, but you've got big arm and then he fits that profile you're looking for, that corner outfield power hitter, right? His, this is so stupid. His average exit velocity in A was 94 miles an hour. His 90th percentile exit velocity was greater than 110. Absolutely, abs- we talk about 103 is average. Absolutely absurd how massive the power is. For Owen Casey, okay, he is at twenty-one. He is already a like cleanup hitter waiting. He'd be one of the best power hitters in baseball with those kind of figures. Were he in the majors, that would be one of the highest figures in the majors. The issue, and everydayers have heard this: your power tool is only as good as your hit tool, right? So. First half of the year, when AA Southern League had that tacky baseball that gave pitchers an extra advantage, especially on fastballs up in the zone, Owen Casey ran a 38% strikeout rate with a contact rate of only 65%. Not great, right? Second half of the year, after they got rid of that tacky baseball, he switches, he lowers the strikeout rate 10% to 28%, still high but not nearly as bad as what it was before, contact rate goes from 65% to 68%. So you see some growth there. In a profile like this, you're always going to have some swing and miss. The question's going to be how much. And I'm really curious to see, I'm assuming Owen Casey starts off at AAA in 2024. And if he does, and if he shows improvements to the contact ability, and not having swing and miss in the zone, what like, at what point does he get called up to Chicago? And at what point does he get into the outfield? And if he does, where does he play? Because you've got Gold Glover, Ian Happen left. You've got Seiya Suzuki, who MLB Network called one of the 10 best right fielders in baseball in Right. And then PCA in center. Obviously, there's ways you can work it out. You've got DH spots, things like that. But I'm really curious to see, one, does he make the adjustments he needs to this year in AAA, where I assume he's going to go to start the year? And then two, if he does, at what point does Chicago call him up? Another guy that we've seen add some power and is probably now on the fast track to get called up once you find a defensive position, infielder James Triantos. 2021 second rounder out of high school. Got in 83 games between high A and double A last year. 287, 364, 391. Four home runs, 22 extra base hits, 35 walks to 39 strikeouts, and 16 of 20 on stolen bases. Now, I mentioned the power got better. You can't really tell from the slash line, right? It's a 391 slug with four homers, okay? But... We knew the contact ability was good, right? 83% last year. We're not worried about the contact ability for James Triantos, but the power, both his average and his 90th percentile exit velocity climbed significantly year over year. So 2022 average exit velocity of 82.6, 2023 87.6. He added five miles an hour to his average exit velocity. 90th percentile exit velocity went from 99 to 102.5. So he added three and a half miles an hour of exit velocity to his 90th percentile outcome, which tracks five miles an hour average. That's a good translation. That means that he's making better quality contact as well as making more frequent contact. So you're in a situation now where, provided you can see that statistically show up, the question now is where does Dream Triantos play? He lost some weight going into last year. They kicked him in from third to second. The arm is above average, but the speed isn't necessarily great, right? And maybe it's a utility profile. You saw him play most of his time at second, 55 games. He played seven at third. He played five in center. I don't really know where he plays, but it feels like that super utility profile that could cover a lot of different positions. I don't know when you're going to see him up because it feels like there's some overlap in the middle infield with him and Matt Shaw. I do think, again, Triantos has a better arm and could better handle third base, but the organization's not too worried about Matt Shaw's arm strength and they're going to put him at third base. I don't know what's going to happen here, but it's a good problem to have more players than you have spots for because one, it makes guys attractive via trade and two, when injuries happen, you can p- plug in other options and keep rolling. Starting pitcher Ben Brown, another uh, trade acquisition, thirty third rounder in twenty seventeen by the Phillies, and uh, a guy I'm pretty confident that you will see, provided he's healthy, which he should be, you'll see in twenty twenty four. So nineteen starts, twenty six total games in AA and AAA. He had an injury late in the season, so he didn't. He, he ended up doing some relief stuff when he got back, but eight and eight with a four two seven ERA in ninety two and two thirds innings. 130 strikeouts, 12.6 per nine, 257 walks, 5.5 per nine, and 10 home runs allowed. As a starter, by the way, eight and seven with a 3-8-1 ERA. He really struggled with walks and allowing runs as a reliever. I think he wasn't fully healthy. So a caveat there. But the stuff, I tried to intentionally go back and watch starter stuff versus reliever stuff. Fastball looked to be in the mid-90s, touches 98, really good. Oh, sorry, 16 inches of induced vertical break, which is slightly above average. We talked about this in the Pirate show the other day in relation to Paul Skeens. But he also has like 8 to 9 inches of horizontal run. So it's just a really good fastball shape. And I think it plays up because of that. Curveball sits in the mid-80s, looked to be a vertical breaking curveball. And then the slider's in the upper 80s that is also a vertical breaking curveball, but also has looked like 9 or 10 inches of horizontal movement. So... Again, just, like, just enough to get it onto a slightly different plane from where you think the curveball is going to be. Obviously, I've talked on the show a lot before about I really prefer to get all four directions and all four different velocity bands, but I don't mind when guys like this do this kind of thing. Uh, it's really appealing to me. I, I like Ben Brown. I think you're going to see him this year. I'm curious to see what his ceiling's going to be, and a lot of that's going to come down to is he healthy? How deep can he go into games? Can he hold that velocity? Porter Hodge, I think you'll see him as a reliever this year. If they keep him as a starter, it'll take a little while. 2019 13th rounder out of high school, but last year, ERA over 5. The stats weren't great, but fastball slider curveball does it from a really high arm slot with really good extension, so the mid-90s fastball plays up off of that velocity. Sliders, mid-80s, two-plane break on it. A vertical breaking curveball in the upper 70s, the changeup, you get more of the, it's not a true sweeper, but you get more of the different directions from a Porter Hodge. I really think in relief, he can be a guy and you can see him in 24. If you keep him as a starter, it's going to take a little while longer and I don't know where. So I wanted to get him in there, but not spend too much time on him because again, I don't know whether he'll be a starter or reliever and that's going to determine whether or not you'll see him in 24. In just a minute, let's get into the some of the guys in the lower minors. A lot of really interesting options here, guys, to watch for. We'll do that next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over. We're in the postseason, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. You don't have to win the bet. You just have to place the bet. And when you do that, you've got tons of options to go out there and pick different Cubs to do different things. Matt Mervis, 4600 in Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Better odds, though. Pete Carr Armstrong, $1,600. Shota Imanaga, $1,100. you have got multiple options there for that. When you get into... Like division winners, World Series odds, things like that. In your World Series odds, I think the Cubs are a little bit undervalued right now. They're sitting at plus 3,800. They're behind the Padres. They're behind the Mets. They're behind the Cardinals. Like they should be higher in the odds. So go get the value on FanDuel. Remember, promo code locked on for. Uh, $150 in bonus bets when you place your first $5 bet. That's fando.com slash locked on, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so final segment here of the Chicago Cubs preview. A lot of lower minors, guys. Going to have to do it a little bit quicker because we've only got about seven or eight minutes left in the show. But again, if there's a guy we don't get to you want to hear about. Let me know. We'll throw him into the Monday mailbag. Moises Ballesteros, 2021 IFA, got 117 games between single-A, high-A, and briefly in double-A. Interesting player to watch, okay? 285, 375, 449. 14 home runs, 41 extra base hits, 6-3 or three walks to 78 strikeouts, seven 7-7 seven on stolen bases. Spent most of his time at catcher, 76 games. Played first base some, 26 times, 14 games at DH. uh, From a defensive perspective, it's a work in progress, right? He 20% caught stealing rate, and when you watch him behind the plate, he's got a little bit too much weight to be an incredibly effective defender, right? His body, he's listed at 5'7", 234. I'm always hesitant to assume a lot of those heights and weights are correct. The height usually ends up being right because MLB checks those in uh, spring training. The weights can fluctuate a little bit. I think Baseball America had an anecdote that he's 20 pounds away from being a good defender. But contact ability-wise, good hitter, 79% contact rate, above average power, the plate discipline is good. The whole question is, where is he going to play? Because a 5'7 frame is not built for first base. The speed's too low to do anything else. And so he really needs to stick behind the plate or else you're dealing with a suboptimal physical profile at first base because you don't have the height to stretch and make the picks and all of that stuff. So, need to see what he does when he comes into spring training this year. What kind of physical fitness does he have? Not trying to like fat shame or anything. We're just discussing this. We have to discuss this. This is an important factor for Moises Ballesteros. Right-hand pitcher Michael Rias, 2018 IFA by the Blue Jays as a shortstop, he signed with the Cubs in 2021 as a pitcher, and is raw but is super talented. So 22 games, single A and high A, one in ten, which minor league win loss record doesn't matter, but we highlight it when it's wild. One in ten is wild. 4.09 ERA in 81 in the third innings, 110 strikeouts, so 12.2 per nine, 251 walks, 5.6 per nine. But only three home runs allowed. The stuff, really good, right? Two seamer sits mid-90s. He can touch 97 with it. Change-ups in the upper 80s, mostly a vertical braking change-up. Has a slider in the low to mid-80s. It's not the traditional velocity of a cutter, but the movement's very similar to a cutter. It's that kind of hard, abrupt movement. Uh, think of it like a cutter. Two seamer, change-up, cutter. He's going to make bat companies so much money, right? He's going to break so many bats with those things. And 14% walk rate, 61% strike throwing, a little bit of work to do. But I, for a guy that is so young, I'm really intrigued about what Michael Arias can be. At the same time, he's already on the 40-man roster. So you, I think you've already popped one option, and he's in, he finished the year in high A. So you've got to get that, He was in South Bend to finish the year. You've got to get the the development curve going a little bit here for Michael Arias. Two shortstops I want to talk about, Jefferson Rojas and Luis Vasquez. And I know Vasquez isn't in the low minors, but i got to fit him in somewhere. So for Rojas, 22 IFA, 71 games between rookie ball and A ball, 266, 342, 400, seven home runs, 22 extra base hits, 23 walks to 62 strikeouts, 13 to 17 on stolen bases. Defensively, I think he can stick at shortstop. Uh, He'd be a great second baseman. He played most of his time, 61 games at short. He had four games at second. The range is what you're worried about there. Contact ability, 77%. I have a question about where the power is. There's a couple reasons for that. One, Myrtle Beach is an awful ballpark to hit for power. Not great. And then two, His frame and his development, where does his power come in? So I'm really curious what the strength gains do for his power production. Listed at 5'10", 150, I've heard he's 190, like 5'11", 190, which is a significant difference when we're trying to project out the power. So again, really curious to see what he does. Ideally, you get him into double A sooner rather than later. I guess he's technically in South Bend if he goes back to high A, so he's out of Myrtle Beach, but... Still curious to see where the power comes in. I think the outcomes here, super wide, right? He could be hit an above average arm. He could be a defensive guy who has great contact and surprising pop. He could turn into a power hitter that plays a corner. A lot of options here for Jefferson Rojas, depending on how you want to develop him. For Luis Vasquez, 2017, 14th rounder out of high school in Puerto Rico, really exploded last year. I think he's the best infield defender in the system, and I think if you have some sort of long-term injury in your middle infield, that Vasquez could be the first option if they don't think that Shaw or Triantos are ready to come up. Vasquez could be your first option to come up and be your backup infielder for a month or whatever while somebody's on the injured list. Played 114 games at short, seven at second, got some time at third base. So 271, 361, 456 last year for Luis Vasquez. 20 home runs. 44 extra base hits, 54 walks to 121 strikeouts, 10 of 20 on stolen bases. There's things to not love in this profile, right? He he strikes out a lot. He's very aggressive in the box. He doesn't handle high velocity well and he hits too many ground balls. There's things to not like. But at the same time, 73% contact rate, 83% contact in the zone. It comes down to swing decisions for the most part. Yes, he struggles with velocity, especially elevated velocity, Triple A, that was an issue because of the automated balls and strikes. Little caveat there. 90th percentile exit velo, 103.5. Right there around MLB average. If you can work out that elevated fastball thing, get him to calm it down a little bit in the box as far as the aggressiveness and how often he swings, you could have a guy who could be an MLB caliber defender at either middle infield position with at least average pop. Okay speed. He'd probably steal 10 bases at the major league level, but the point is... He could be a perfectly serviceable backup shortstop if somebody gets hurt until Shaw or Triantos would be ready. Keep it in mind. My dart throw here. Left-hand pitcher Drew Gray. 2021 third rounder out of high school. Had Tommy John in spring training at 22. Got back late last year. You could tell he was rusty. Controls one of the last things to come back. 14 games between rookie ball and A ball. 0-3 with a 4.50 ERA. 34 innings. 56 strikeouts, like 14.8 per nine. Great, right? 29 walks, 7.7 per nine, but didn't give up a home run. So fastball sits in the low 90s, tons of spin to it, right? Curveballs, high 70s, vertical breaking curveball. These things tunnel very well. Sweeper in the low 80s, uh, changeup in mid to upper 80s. Changeup, he's really got to throw that more. He has to develop it. It's not that great, but I think it has the potential If you can refine the control, build some the innings on this, and then get him comfortable with all four of those pitches, you've got all four directions covered, you've got four different velocity bands, and you've got a guy who has shown that the swing and miss stuff is there. Curious to see what his home run prevention does when he's not in Myrtle Beach, but you have a really intriguing pitching option in Drew Gray. I think he could pop this year. Let's see what happens. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, if you have questions for us, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. I want to hear who else you want to hear about. We'll throw it in the Monday mailbag. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.